All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mining Matters, a mine safety podcast presented by Fisher Phillips. I'm Chris Peterson, and with me, as always, is Arthur Wolfson. How are you today, Arthur? Doing well, Chris. I think we're uh, seeing springtime finally upon us. Baseball is returning. Maybe it's time to turn the page from a cold winter and, and hopefully turn the page from the pandemic. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I feel like uh, I feel like we're slowly starting to get back to normal. Um, you know, March Madness is on the calendar and getting ready for the tournaments. And uh, yeah, the weather's yeah. starting to warm up. So hopefully we can. I don't know, but put what has seemed like a long, cold winter behind us <laughs> and kind of yeah, move forward a little bit. All right. So on this episode, we're going to discuss MSHA's latest safety initiative, this Take Time, Save Lives initiative. We're going to talk a little bit about what it is, what does it mean for safety, and perhaps more importantly, what does it mean for compliance? So with this latest safety initiative, MSHA has decided that the fatalities this year, which admittedly are high, I think uh, we'll talk about them in, in a second here, but I think we're at 10 for the year, and that's just through 2022. Um, but basically, MSHA has decided that the fatalities so far could have been prevented with uh, perhaps an increase in training or proper training, adequate training, um, and attention to tasks. Um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what that means, attention to tasks, slowing down, taking time to, you know, do the job properly. I think that's what MSHA is, um, you know, kind of talking about there. But basically, MSHA has stated that it's up to mine operators to ensure that miners are fully trained and able to take time to follow best safety practices that can prevent deadly accidents. And that's directly from MSHA. So, Arthur, what is this safety initiative and what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, you know, Chris, you you quoted from uh, what's on MSHA's website. And mm -hmm. for those of you that haven't seen it, you know, go onto the website and you'll see you know, pretty prominently displayed. It's take time, save lives as the initiative. And then there's some information. What what it seems to be, as you said, is linked to to the fatalities we've seen in the beginning of calendar year 2022 we're almost through the first quarter of the calendar year and and 10 in a quarter is high you know i was on a call with a, a safety uh meeting for a trade association and there was a former msha official on it who was a guest and he made a note that this is not good you know what we're seeing and i don't know you know just in terms of numbers and and i don't know why that is i in terms of why we've seen an increase of fatalities, you know, and, and I haven't seen any, any um, discussion of cause, you know, I wonder, you know, with the, the changing of the workforce, are we seeing more new miners, you know, new managers, younger managers? That's just speculation on my part. I, it might be a good thing for MSHA to give us some more information on, what might be a cause of this uptick. Um, but what they have given us, as always, is, you know, MSHA lists the, in, the, the, the type of accident we've had. And so of the 10, um, one is a slip and fall. That's sort of the outlier. If you take that out, the remaining nine split evenly between 
three in machinery, three in powered haulage, and three in what I'll call ground control or roof control, whether it's a fall of a face or a rib in an underground mine or a, or, or a rock uh, issue in a surface mine. It's, you know, ground control, roof control. So those are your three kind of key categories, uh, machinery, powered haulage, and ground control. Um, is there a correlation? I don't know. You know, MSHA didn't really delve too deeply into into root cause, if it's a trend nationally. But I think what operators can take from this, especially with the focus on training, is, you know, let's redouble our efforts in training on those three areas. You know, machinery safety, powered haulage safety, always a big one, and ground control, always a big one. You know, if our miners, if there's any deficiency in training, any area for improvement, now's the time. I think we want to take advantage of that information and use this as a reason to redouble our efforts. So that seems to be the basis for it. Um, but in terms of MSHA's initiative, you know, other than calling attention to it, Chris, what were your takeaways from what MSHA kind of put forth in terms of an initiative? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, as a safety agency, I mean, you always want to applaud them when they take some sort of action, right, other than issuing citations, <laughs> enforcement actions. Right. Um, you know, to draw attention to, you know, trends that they're seeing, right? And they certainly have all the data, um, you know, from their own accident investigations. And so they're able to identify trends. I think I agree with you 100% in terms of, um, you know, are they, are they on the right track uh, correlating that data, whatever data they might have, right, to this safety initiative, this Take Time, Save Lives, identifying training as a deficiency. You know, I guess I wasn't entirely aware that um, training was an issue. You know, untrained miners, I have not seen uh, very many 104G orders at all, right? So if you remember what a 104G order, that's an order of withdrawal. Once MSHA has determined that there's a miner that's not trained, right, either inadequately trained, not properly trained, not trained at all, mm -hmm. they'll pull those individuals off the mine site. Um, and so I haven't seen many of those come across my desk. So, you know, maybe I'm just out of the loop on that, but I, I wasn't aware that training was an issue. But I also agree with you. I think um, this is a good opportunity for operators just to review, just make sure, hey, we're hitting the training. We're doing what we can to make sure our folks um, are working safely. I do. I would like to highlight. I don't know if everybody um, you know, has listened to our last episode. Uh, when we talked a little bit about mental health. And so mm -hmm. in my mind, right, when a minor is maybe not taking the time to do a task properly or as they were trained or perhaps not paying attention to tasks, you know, that could be a mental health issue just in terms of, yeah. you know, what is that minor dealing with in his or her personal life, you know, that may be interfering with their ability to perform their jobs safely, Right. Um, so I think that's something operators, you know, should probably take away from this as well. Just saying, hey, you know, maybe we do sort of like a check in with everybody because, you know, as I was, you know, kind of thinking before this podcast is, is recorded, you know, we're kind of 
we're kind of getting back to normal, right? I mean, uh, mm -hmm. you know, going back to the office, traveling, right? Um, you know, fighting to have in-person hearings, for example. <laughs> yeah, sure. But um, yeah, and so here we have, you know, MSHA that has not, that has not been uh, as engaged as they have in the past. And I'm not talking just about enforcement activity, but I'm talking about, you know, educational field services going out, you know, and talking to operators or even MSHA inspectors, right, taking the time to, you know, observe some work practices and make sure, you know, folks are, are working safely and maybe offering some tips about how they can improve. Um, so I don't think any of that has been happening for the past two years, certainly while we've right. been in the pandemic, right? So, you know, I think that's probably a large part of this where um, if you look on MSHA's website under their safety initiative, you know, at this point, MSHA has, you know, some best practices uh, listed out, right, for, you know, some powered haulage issues, for example, machinery, you know, conducting pre-ops, um, you know, those kinds of things, wearing seatbelts, you know, is another big uh, point that they make on their website. And that's, again, that's all great. But, um, you know, are, in terms of a correlation, you know, are they getting to the root of the matter? You know, I don't know about that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they're on the right track in terms of, of just of that. So, yeah. so Arthur, what are you thinking about um, in terms of safety, right? We've talked a little bit about operators reviewing their, um, perhaps their, you know, their, their training plans, but what do you think this means for compliance? Yeah, well, a couple of things, Chris, you know, I think we talked early on one of our early, earlier podcasts, sort of the difference between, uh, mandatory enforcement from MSHA and then sort of discretionary enforcement. And, you know, MSHA is bound by the Mine Act to inspect, you know, the twos and fours that we all know about. They're, you know, required to issue citations if they find a violation and propose a penalty and so forth. But they also can, um, you know, th there is discretion to uh, have elevated enforcement initiatives. Um, we haven't seen that for a while. We didn't see much of that in the last administration. And frankly, we're coming up on a year or no, we've passed a year of the first administration or this administration. And, and we, we haven't seen a lot of at least formal elevated enforcement. But I will tell you, Chris, I was at the American Bar Association conference last week and the solicitor of labor, Seema Nanda, spoke uh, to the crowd on both MSHA and OSHA issues, and, and she made a point that, you know, DOL-wide, they have some discretionary enforcement, whether it be MSHA, OSHA, wage and hour, whatever, and that they are looking to use that. So is this sort of the first step down the road for from an MSHA perspective of, okay, now we're putting you on notice. These are issues, powered haulage, ground control, and so forth. The other uh, seat belts, whatever else is on the in the initiative, we're putting you on notice that um, we're going to um, be looking at this more closely. Is that portend elevated enforcement down the road? You know, we're not there yet to make that conclusion. But, you know, I think MSHA has is is signaling to the mining community, we're going to be looking at training, we're clearly going to be looking at powered haulage, you know, we have the, the 
pending proposed rule out there. Does this mean um, that these areas are going to be subject to elevated enforcement down the road? And remember, Chris, remember rules to live by uh, from days uh, gone by? Yep. Yep. What, what, what were rules to live by? Why don't you re review that for our audience? Oh, boy. Yeah, rules to live by. I remember <clears throat> giving a presentation to a mining association back in 2010. Um, and basically, in a nutshell, rules to live by turned out to be a program where they had three phases where MSHA had identified um, certain standards that had been involved in or been cited or contributed to fatal accidents in the mining industry. Um, and there were several categories. I think the first one was fatality prevention. The second one was preventing catastrophic accidents. And the third one was preventing common mining deaths. So what MSHA mm -hmm. did is based on a 10-year review of fatalities, um, they've, you know, they identified these standards that contributed to these accidents and basically said, um, we are going to cite these particular standards. Um, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing and adding my own sort of cynical opinion, but MSHA said, you know, we've identified these standards and we're going to cite them and we're going to issue elevated enforcement actions on these standards because they're so important to eliminate in terms of preventing or reducing fatals in the mining industry. And what we saw were um, MSHA inspectors, uh, once they have cited a rules to live by standard, so one of these, oh, I don't know, 20 odd um, standards, they mm. would issue them SNS, so reasonably likely fatal, um, and then high negligence, right? So we saw as a result of this program where MSHA said, okay, we have put the mining industry on notice um, about these particular standards. And we've already identified and said they've, they've contributed to fatals, right? So that's where you get your SNS part from. So because you're on notice, you have high negligence because they contributed to fatalities or SNS. And so, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a safety initiative, you know, perhaps not mm -hmm. unlike the, save, the take time, save lives. Although admittedly the take time, save lives has not identified specific standards, right? Um, mm -hmm. But that rules to live by, yeah, I mean, they absolutely focused on, you know, specific standards, um, eligible, if you will, for elevated enforcement. So, yeah, I actually had a solicitor uh, who represents the government in court bring up rules to live by as a uh, uh, as evidence in, in favor of MSHA um, seeking higher penalties. You know, it was just because it was a rules to live by standard, they thought that was enough to, to justify seeking a higher penalty, higher gravity and negligence designations in court. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, I, I don't think the judge completely bought that argument, but uh, it, does it does show you that, you know, um, where MSHA went with rules to live by and yeah. you know, just it's something like that is going to come down the road. You'd have to think whether it's the same or something different. And, and it just, it, it makes you wonder if this is the first step down that road. You know, I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of getting the, the tinglies right in terms of 
that's where this is going, right? I mean, I think this is the first, you know, sort of, okay, hey, you know, rolling out this initiative, take time, save lives. But, you know, included in those rules to live by standards were standards addressing operation of mobile equipment and certainly wearing seatbelts, performing pre-op exams, maintaining equipment in safe operating condition. Um, so a lot of the information from the best practices from this safety initiative I think has been taken from those best practices from the rules to live by initiative. So, you know, is this, is this sort of, you know, the beginning of phase four perhaps of rules to live by, <laughs> I guess we'll see. Mm -hmm. um, but absolutely. And I think you raise a very good point, right? MSHA council using rules to live by as evidence of, you know, severity of a hazard, for example, yeah, I mean, I remember just talking to, you know, solicitors or conference litigation representatives or even individuals within MSHA itself. Um, and man, I mean, if you were talking to them about a rules to live by standard, there was not a lot of room uh, right. that they would be willing, that the, that the agency would be willing to move, whether it's penalty or, you know, how those particular citations uh, were written. Um, yeah. So yeah, challenging yep. times dealing with those rules to live mm -hmm. by. So, so what do you think for, for the operators going forward? Um, what What are your thoughts? You know, we have we've talked about the safety initiative, and obviously, you know, focusing on um, you know redoubling our efforts from a safety standpoint, making sure we're up to date on training. Um, can never you can never train enough, right? And then I I like your point about you know taking heed of MSHA's call to focus on attention to task that does dovetail off of the mental health aspects. But beyond that, from a compliance standpoint, what are you advising your clients um, in this you know in light of this initiative and and what we see going forward? Yeah, so I'm already seeing um, citations issued on you know, power haulage issues, whether it's equipment or seat belts um, or ground control, I am seeing those particular citations issued SNS and high negligence. Um, mm. So I am telling our, um, our folks, our clients, operators in general, um, in theory, when an MSHA inspector comes out to conduct an inspection, they are supposed to evaluate uh, any cited condition um, on its own, right? The specifics right. of that factual scenario that that MSHA inspector is observing. Um, and so I'm just, I'm telling them, redouble your efforts during the inspection, right? Because when an MSHA inspector is automatically checking SNS, right? Reasonably likely, and at least lost work days. Um, they are perhaps not going through the analysis of, okay, well, what is the hazard first and foremost? And then how reasonably likely is that hazard going to contribute to a reasonably serious injury, right? Um, and so, again, you know, I'm basically highlighting the importance of participating in the MSHA inspection itself. Because, you know, when MSHA just goes, you know, cookie cutter approach, you know, that leaves a lot of holes, you know, in that whole process um, that I think operators should point out, right? Um, Good point. Yeah. So I'm, I'm basically advising them of that. And um, again, you know, maybe just take, take time to do some safety observations on their own. You know, I'm not going to go so far as to say, oh, they need safety audits or something as formal as that. 
But again, you know, kind of getting back to the fact that we're out of this pandemic, we're getting back to normal. Yeah, I mean, let's, you know, kind of like you said, redouble your efforts and just make sure we're observing what, you know, we are um, emphasizing the importance on, you know, whether they're pre-op exams or area exams, workplace exams, pre-shift exams, you know, whatever examination requirements apply to your operation. I think first and foremost, that's what you focus on, right? Like, hey, let's, you know, again, redouble your efforts. Um, and, and, you know, just again, kind of create some safety awareness there. How about you, Arthur? Yeah. What are you advising operators at this point? Yeah, I think all good points, Chris. Um, a couple of things just to add to that. Um, I would say I have seen some training citations that are elevated recently um, beyond just the paperwork citation. Yeah. MSHA um, alleging, you know, deficiencies, you know, in the substantive training, um, you know, not just that, you know, the paperwork wasn't filled out. So I think that's one of the things we I am advising, you know, go back and, and make sure our training is 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 where we want it to be. And also that the paperwork is where we want it to be, because even if the violations are just paperwork, um, you know, when the paperwork's in good order, that that presents a good picture to MSHA that the training is in good order. Yeah. Um, so let's revisit those training plans, make sure the paperwork's up to speed, because, you know, MSHA is going to come in and they're going to be looking at that. So let's and, 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 if, and if it's if it's not where it should be, that's that's kind of low hanging fruit from MSHA for MSHA for a violation. Um, so you don't want the violation, but you also don't want to give MSHA a reason to start running with the SNS and the high negligence that you're talking about. So, folks, I would say uh, um, refocusing on the training. And then I would say all, all of this stuff you're talking about in terms of, you know, observations and safety meetings and topics. Let's make sure we're documenting that. Yeah. You know, um, if we're, uh, you know, having safety meetings on attention to tasks, on mental health, on, um, you know, information for, for less experienced minors. And I'm not talking about the formal new minor training. I'm talking about, you know, maybe safety meetings for, you know, information for newer folks. Let's make sure we're documenting that. MSHA has basically said in this initiative that, like everything else, the burden falls to the operator. That's the legal scheme we have. That's not going to change. So now's the time to put our best foot forward. I, I think you make a good point, though, on the inspection side. You know, sometimes despite our, our best efforts, um, you know, citations are happen, violations happen. And, you know, we don't want to give MSHA the opportunity to just check a box because of an initiative. Yeah. We need to hold their feet to the fire that, look, if the facts support the SNS, if the facts support the high negligence, so be it. But if they don't support those elevated designations, we need to hold their feet to the fire. They shouldn't just be checking those boxes. That's not fair. And that's what we have a system of checks and balances to account for. So, you know, I guess the takeaway is maybe this is, uh, we're looking at a more active MSHA. I think we all expected that, but uh, maybe we have a little bit of a grace period right now. So let's make sure we're um, taking advantage of that and, and doing everything we can do. And, you know, and frankly, I think the operators I talk to, they're doing that. You know, everybody's taking this very seriously, Yeah. but you know, it's just, 
it always you can always do better you know it's that we're we're never perfect so no no No, for sure yeah i mean i don't i don't want to give anybody the idea that operators you know they've been through this pandemic and you know it's been as rough on them as anybody right so i i wouldn't suggest they're not trying to do the right thing at all but uh it's not easy, right? It's certainly not easy. Not, so, yeah. not easy yet. Uh, one thing no, I want to pass this. along. Um, one thing I want to pass along before we wrap up. Um, you know, I was at that uh, meeting, um, and I the the word that I heard from MSHA was that the powered haulage rule that MSHA is get, is looking at October of this year of getting a final rule out. So oh. that doesn't mean they'll stick to that, but that is what MSHA is shooting for. So, Interesting. you know, obviously, you know, uh, Fisher Phillips will keep you all updated. Chris and I will, I'm sure, have an episode to kick around the final rule when it comes out. Um, but that is what MSHA is looking at. So we'll, uh, we'll see if that holds, but it would be in line with the focus on powered haulage. Yeah, yeah, it certainly will. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's in that final rule. I know this is a quick note. When they reopened the rulemaking record on the proposed rule, um, they were allowing some additional testimony on mm-hmm. uh, small mines, basically. If you remember that proposed yeah. rule, you know, sort of had that six minor uh, cutoff, right, in terms of ac- applicability of the rule on your operation. Um, MSHA reopened to hear some more testimony about, okay, well, what about those operations from six to, say, 25 miners? What sort of economic resources would those operations have to comply with um, a powered haulage rule? So I think that's what we saw from the uh, from the reopening of the record. But, um, yeah, it has been closed again. And, yeah, so I guess on track to maybe in October, an October final rule. Interesting. Yep. Yep. Well, I thought this was a great discussion, Arthur. Thank you for your time. Always mm-hmm. a pleasure to uh, you know, talk about some of these issues and hopefully inform you know our listening audience kind of what's going on. I think, uh, right. I think most folks familiar with MSHA can appreciate you know sort of not just how timely or, or cutting edge these thoughts are, right? Our communications on on our podcast, but you know the fact that you know I think. Um, I think we all care, right, about increasing mine safety and reducing these fatalities. So I think uh, nobody wants accidents. Um, Getting that call in the middle of the night or whenever is the the worst part of my job. I can tell you that. But, you know, for uh, any safety professional or mine, uh, mine operator would tell you the same thing. So anything we can do to raise awareness, cut down on those, but also, you know, what does this mean for compliance? There's always that side of the coin you yeah. have to consider. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you all very much. All right, everyone. Be safe out there, and we'll see you next time. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation. Thank you.